0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to TSF Talk. It's your boy
1: Blee. What's up, guys? It's your boy Rob. We had the honor today of interviewing the legendary
0: Jen Welter, who is the first ever female coach in the NFL. So, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Um, stay tuned for more stuff coming up soon on the podcast. So, hope you enjoy. Hello. Hi, Jen. Hi. All right, perfect, Jen. I see uh, it's working now, so are you ready to get started? Sure. All right, perfect. So welcome to the Sports Flame. Um, we have a couple of questions we want to ask you, so we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day uh, to interview with us.
2: Absolutely. It's great to be here, guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you. All right, so how does it feel to be the first-ever female coach in the NFL? Well,
2: You know, um, when I joined the Arizona Cardinals in 2015, it was one of the most exciting times of my life, probably because up until that point, um, there had never been a female coach in the NFL. So it was an opportunity to open a lot of eyes and a lot of minds to the fact that not only could a woman coach in the National Football League, but also that um, the players would really respect the coaching of women and. You know, they loved the fact that I had come from playing women's football, and so it also increased the conversation around, you know, what I consider my family, which is like, you know, all the women and men that have played the game.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, so what was it like for the play?
2: I'm sorry, what?
0: He broke up a little bit. Oh, sorry. Okay. I was just asking, were they really accepting of you on the field and as a coach? Uh,
2: as I just said, um, you know, the players were very receptive. They were excited, and they were proud to be a part of history.
0: Well, that, that's it, it's definitely interesting to see how, how the times have changed and how a lot of women now have been – more able to become coaches and things like that, which is awesome. You're you're like a trendsetter for many other important women. So that's awesome to see.
2: Well, you know, I'd like to say that I have done a good job being a part of a larger conversation, which is one that has to do with, you know, not only equality, but also the power of diversity in building teams, right? Um, there are lots of areas in our society where we've grown to see that a diverse team is a stronger team. Um, We are seeing it expand into areas that obviously traditionally we haven't seen, which, you know, that is the area of professional sports. Um, You know, you've had strong women who coached other sports long before me, for example, like Nancy Lieberman in basketball. She had been a D league head coach. Um, I'd done a lot of coaching. Then Becky Hammond got hired as the first, full, you know, first NBA coach over there. And then right after that, Nancy Lieberman became a coach with the Sacramento Kings. So it's it's the power of seeing a first and seeing it be successful because that changes the conversation. You know, that first, for example, male coach who made that decision. Um, I always say in retrospect, they look at it and they're like, well, of course you should do that. Well, of course, it's the hardest to be the first, because then after that, everybody has seen that it it is possible. But for that first person, you know, they're betting their their coaching legacy on you. And so as that person who steps into a situation that's not been seen before, you're not just writing your own narrative. You're writing a bigger narrative that affects everybody who would have the opportunity to do what you're doing at that moment.
0: Absolutely.
1: All right, Jen. So who inspired you to pursue your dream of coaching in the, in the NFL?
2: Well, I think I have to correct you first on that in that it was never a dream of mine to coach in the NFL. See starting to dream of something often starts with seeing somebody who you could say, I want to do what she's doing. Or I want to be like her one day. That was a dream I was never permitted to have because there were no women there. But the power of being the first is that other people get to have a dream that I didn't. For me personally, I just loved the game of football and promised myself I would step up to every challenge the game put in my way. And this happened to be one of those challenges that I stepped up to.
0: Well, that's awesome. So now hopefully the dream is that now other people look up to you and then they get that dream from you. So that's definitely impressive to see. So, yes. And
2: that's why you see so many, you know, women doing it today. And, um, you also see a pipeline developing where, you know, girls are getting to expand their opportunities in football. For example, varsity flag football, or there is varsity flag football in four States right now across the country. Um, me and and some other very vocal, powerful people in sports are trying to work that. I say 50 for 50. So like 50 states for um 50-50 treatment of men and women um in the sport of football. And then hopefully eventually you'll see increasing collegiate opportunities for girls as well, whether it's, you know, flag football that becomes a varsity sport in colleges. I think that you'll see that and you'll then see the the opportunities for girls and women continue to grow exponentially.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully that's the, that's the goal that it continues to grow. And um, there's equality for everyone. Everyone has the same opportunity to play. So that's awesome. So now I want to, I want to go back to your time with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I know that there's probably a lot of great moments, but what was one of your top moments um, being a coach with the Cardinals?
2: I would have to say one of the greatest moments was actually at the first game that I was coaching. It was the Kansas city chiefs versus the Arizona Cardinals were on the sidelines of university of Phoenix field. And it was a handshake. Um, you know, you think of a handshake between a ref and a coach as a common occurrence. It happens in every game um, from pee-wees to the pros, multiple times a game. Right. Yeah. And yet for the first time in the history of football, that handshake took place between a ref and a coach and the ref and the coach were both women. That's and incredible. that was the, and that was the moment that Sarah Thomas and I shook hands on the sidelines. Wow. And so, you know, for me, something that, that was so normal becomes so powerful because for the first time in the history of the game, um, that was two women. And hopefully it was, you know, a catalyst for many more handshakes that, you know, took place in the same way.
0: Definitely. It's crazy. As you were saying, I was getting goosebumps through my body. Like, it's just so impactful to see that, that, all that happening. So that's incredible. That's amazing. Both of you guys are pioneers. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, right. and she is a, a good friend of mine to this day. So
1: That's awesome to hear. All right, so what's the major difference of coaching in the NFL and the AFL?
2: Um, I never coached in the AFL. Um, I coached in indoor football, um, and I also coached in the AAF, which was the Alliance of American Football. Um, and I think, you know, it's really the the access to resources is one of the biggest. Um, it's also the number of coaches, um, you know, the, the higher the tier of football, the more coaches that you have. So the more in-depth the knowledge and the breakdowns of each game is going to be, and also the the more specific your responsibilities are. Um, And, you know, the one thing that's common is at every game, the guys want to be the very best. And so, or the women, right. I've coached women as well. And your ability to prepare them um, is exponentially increased with the number of coaches that you have on the staff, because obviously in that you get to get a lot more granular in the game planning um, and the specificity, um, uh, you're talking about two coaches or one coach per position group, as opposed to, you know, by the time we finished in indoor football, um, we went from a staff of nine coaches to two for our championship games. So
0: wow. we, uh,
2: we kind of had a lot on our hands and you do the best that you can, but you can't see, you know, all the things with two sets of eyeballs that you could, if you had, you know, 20 sets.
0: Uh, for sure <laughs> all right so we have about two more questions left for you um we don't want to hold on to you too much longer but um we heard you have a really great friendship with chandler jones is that correct
2: chandler jones is amazing yes yeah. he is a he's a heck of a player and a heck of a human as well
0: yeah for sure so what's it like um um being a friend with Chandler like on the field and then off the field if you don't mind um, opening up about that
2: well you know what's interesting is um the way Chandler and I really got to be friends I think was one of mutual respect um I never got to coach Chandler he came to the Cardinals after I was there but I met him at um Bruce Arians golf tournament and obviously I knew who he was um but he came up to me and he was just like, Oh my gosh, coach Jen, I've so wanted to meet you. All the guys in, in Arizona, you know, they just speak so highly of you. Like, I really wish that, you know, can you come back? Like I would have loved to play for you. And to have that kind of a response from somebody who is so prolific in the game, he is obviously one of the very best he, he does, but then he was so open to it and enthusiastic and, you know, went out of his way to introduce himself to me. It just showed me that he was as good a person off the field as a player on the field. And I think for all of the people who are not as, you know, directly experienced with those players, that's the, that's the fun part of getting to share is that not only are these guys tremendous football players, but tremendous humans as well. And obviously we've kept a great relationship since then. I, I saw him at the pro bowl not too long ago. And, um, you know, as soon as he saw me, he like gave me a big hug. He's like, coach, I think I just tackled you. And I was like, you know, it happens, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. Right. If that's, if that's the worst thing I have to deal with, like I'm, I'm good. And he just yeah, laughed, sure. but you know, just a, a great human and and somebody that it makes me really happy to see him, you know, continue, year after year to um, bring his game up and up and up.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, he's been a phenomenal player. And then just getting to know about his personality just speaks so, so much more of him. And I think that's what makes all these friendships more memorable. And um, they're really great people on and off the field. So that's that's definitely impressive and awesome to see.
1: All right. Now I have a question for you about the NFL draft. So who's your favorite player in, in this year's NFL draft?
2: Oh, gosh couldn't couldn't give you a favorite that's that's too much in the uh in the personal uh headspace i think um there are it you will you know and i think it with all fairness part of that is like you might have there's not one size fits all on a football team right like there's not one person who would be necessarily your favorite for every team in every situation right like you might think oh well it has to be a quarterback well for me i'm a defensive coach right like yeah so somebody like chandler is somebody that you know i know i can build a defense around whereas um whereas most people look at the quarterback you know my my job is to make the quarterback's life different difficult so i'm looking at different aspects of the draft and i i wouldn't want to uh Taint that by giving you a, a favorite.
0: Gotcha. I mean it makes all the sense in the world. I yeah, I definitely agree. So that's that's really cool. That's awesome to, to hear.
2: Plus, it also depends on what scheme you're running. You know, yeah. just, just remember that. Like, as much as you know, you need a you need a different quarterback to play for somebody like Bruce Arians than you do for, you know, maybe somebody like Belichick. Now, great coaches, obviously adjust their game plan based on the skills of the people that they have, but what they're looking for um, from a draft scenario is, is markedly different, even with the same position based on the offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love what you just said. Cause yeah, I always tell people that it's really a lot, a lot about like getting the players that fit into your, into your system.
2: It is. It's very much about getting the players that fit into your system and you know and that is not just the the scheme right most people think of it just being the scheme the types of plays that you run but it's also the organizational environment um you know and and what is going to be the best for them is it learning structures is it personality is it you know a a coach athlete relationship um and coaching style athlete relationship so there are a whole lot of factors that go into drafting a player and the most important one is that the player will thrive in the situation that you bring him to and that he'll be um an asset to your team as a whole. You know, if you're stacked deep in secondary, you may have the best secondary guy in the world who is sitting there available on your board but it doesn't help your your team in its areas of need. So you may have to at sometimes make a tough decision to pass up a great guy, depending on what your, you know, your draft, um, your draft
1: it needs it. philosophy yeah. is
2: right. You know, well, some guys will say some coaches and, and teams will tell you we're going to draft the best available guy, regardless of position. And then we'll make roster moves around it. And other teams will say the best guy is only as good as the team need. So, you know, your draft board might jump significantly even if even if theoretically two teams were to objectively rate the guys the same in terms of their skill set right but different positions you may end up selecting very different people and that's what makes it you know a a definite combination of art and science there there is very little like one size fits all when it comes to personnel decisions
0: right with that being said um in your personal experience, have you seen it occur where um, there's been a superior talent available, yet the team chooses to go with someone else just because of the fit based on that alone?
2: Well, I haven't sat in any of, of those meetings necessarily, right? It's a, it's a different draft situation um, in different levels of football. But yeah, I mean, it, what you think is a superior talent for one team is not necessarily a superior talent to another just based on what their needs and philosophy are. So so again, you know, my opinion on who a team should take is is different, but I don't have all the data either. You don't know what vantage point and what moves they're making. So it's very hard to judge a lot of those things on the outsider when you don't know what the team is, is looking to build. You, you, can, you can speculate and you can put your own stuff on it, but um, there are a lot of levels that go into every draft pick.
0: Absolutely. Well, um well Jen, thank you so much for, for your time and we really appreciate you um doing this interview with us. It's been it's been great and we've had a lot of fun with it.
2: Awesome guys. Well, keep it up, keep up the great thank work. You.
0: Thank Me- you. We'd love to have you on again soon. Yeah, it means the world to us. So, um, like you said earlier, we hope you stay safe with all these issues occurring around the world now with the virus and uh Oh my gosh, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so just wishing you and, and your family the best. Hopefully you guys stay safe and Thank you so much again. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.
2: Thank you guys, same to you.
0: Thank you guys for listening. We well, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode where we interviewed Jen Walter. We just want to thank thank you Jen again for coming on with us. And we hope to have many more uh, guests on this podcast and on our channel for you guys in the future. So stay tuned for that. And we just thank you guys so much for listening and for all the support. I'm Rob. It's your boy, Blee. TSF Talk, baby. Catch y'all soon. Peace out.